Um, but anyway, so, <laughs> hey, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Good. So I, I talked to you into another podcast with me over Christmas. Yep. And yeah. I, but we get to, to official, I have, have very good for you news that, news that I think you'll find exciting. Yeah. And that is, remember you made a joke to me about Southern, running, running a foul of Southern lawyers? Yeah. When I went to the South for, driving through, dri- driving from Alabama to Mississippi. Yeah. Other than Cracker, Becker Barrel signs, just about the only billboard was for Southern lawyers. That's amazing, right? I love it. <laughs> it's and and we and and then we go from Mississippi to um, New Orleans, and, and just states just coming. But what gets even better is the big shot lawyer across all three of those states is like a secret billionaire. Do the math because he's a injury lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. He, he's a he, he owns the New Orleans Kins, like the basketball okay, yeah, team, yeah. like he's the minority owner in that. And then he he's got like some other side hustle that must make him a couple million dollars. I just was like, the kind of guy will you, will you look at him? Ah, like, uh, uh, definitely getting bet bet in kid for tax fraud like, in five ish years, right? I mean, who knows? I mean, like, uh, with the way that things are going in society, he may very well be a king of a large swath of the wastelands. This is, this, this you is know? true. This is, this is true. We are. We are. In, we in are, a few short tough. years. Yeah. There, that, there seems to be a, um, a place for him to rise yet in, uh, in America. Whether that's uh, pre- or post-apocalypse, the only time will tell. Yeah, but, um, so, anyway... We are not, not here to talk about the lawyers. I just re- I I held myself back from telling telling you this for the entire time because I want because I wanted you on the podcast because I knew it would bring you joy to know that basically the only people who can afford billboards in at least the parts of the stuff I was in are personal injury attorneys. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me because from what I understand, like a large part of the industry. Uh, down south is either like um, towns that exist solely for the purpose of issuing traffic tickets on the sections of highway that yes. run through the town that is super true. and then also um, just like a lot of pain related industries farming uh, you know uh, textiles like work something yeah. off doing yeah yeah oh, just oh. like a lot of a lot of different types of pain, that really, in that pain. area of the nation. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hit this skip tutorial, but now it'll drive me insane. Um, but, but that makes a lot to me. But I, I, so I rode in, I rode in an Uber once when I was on vacation, and and an Uber, a very chatty Uber driver, told me that basically part of it is m- most put most people who drive in. Like at least commercially in the south are not insured. Yeah. It's supposed to be, be, but not, and it's a no fault faults. So, so all of that racks up to be a legal nightmare, and it's like a situation where if you are in car, you need a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, 
that's pretty nuts. I, I just don't understand living in a place like that. I mean, I, I, I hate paying the insane insurance rates in the New York metro area where we both sort of live in. Yeah. We live at like opposite ends of. Yeah, right um, now. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's insane no matter where you pay for insurance here, but at least the few times that I've had like incidences, like it's pretty easy yeah, to get like, sorted like out because everybody's got a company. Very, like, ironed it out. <laughs> yeah. Geico talks to all state up here and that's, that's just how things are settled. Yeah. But, like, I was just like, I was so surprised because it was just like, after he told me that, that I'm like, oh, it's a hot night nightmare to drive. Drive. In the south, the south must be because that's ter- terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what it's like to deal with that. That seems pretty nuts. That also makes sense as to why it was so, so apparently it was really. I didn't buy the rental car person I was traveling with. Bought the rent the rental car, but um, um, the rental car was car was apparently very expensive. Right, <laughs> right, like, like, and we were like, what? Why? And then. We realized after we heard that, like, oh, in case you crash up in the south house. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm surprised the insurance wasn't prohibitively expensive. I, I mean, we, we got we got an upgrade. We got So, we got an upgrade because we wanted Bluetooth to plug our phones in so we could use maps. And then the, like, like the guy who, like, run, runs the car who really had story was like, like, I'll give you this car because because you guys are awesome. Oh, nice. And we got like a like super awesome great little car for our like the section where we needed a car. Um and, and I went to Biloxi, which is known for gambling in the same in the same same way that Atlantic is known for gambling, Biloxi is is. Okay. But but like if Atlantic Sea is like rotting very quickly from the inside out, Blocky is like it's like the outside in. It's all approaching big fancy fancy um kids should call the Baravan, which is just it's like people's idea of what classy is. It's it's like like someone who uses the word classy tried to making that was classy. Yeah. It's very, very strange. Yeah, no. Um, I, go ahead, ahead. I just associate Southern Gambling with just riverboat casinos. Well, but maybe... those all got fucked up up in, in Katrina. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, because yeah. that, was, that was their way, way around, like, gambling laws. And so, yeah. As as part of, like the deal the deal after Katrina, I I gambling was just like allowed, period, and it was less like pushed to the water. But I'm sure, but based on what I saw in the Baravange, like that place had been there for a while. Well, as a down home country lawyer, I can tell you once you're out on the water, oh my god, god. off. Oh. Did it, I, I mean, I've, I've been all over the world, and it's never been a struggle for me to not do the accent. Like, I, because cause it, people who, who speak French, they're speaking French to you, and you're not, you're not going to be like, oh, oh, oh. Like, like, that seems like you're taking the ex- extra step at all. But in, yeah. the, in the, it's like, a, it is a, it is the struggle for someone not from the South to, to not do that accent. 
Well, I think it's because also, like, uh, I, I have a deep affection for the South because I have family in Alabama, and uh, I visited Texas as well. And, um, we like, didn't go and go to Texas, but yeah. Yeah, um, like, in both in both locations, I do also, like, it's hard not to, like, adopt the accent because also everyone is just going so out of their way to be friendly because that's, like, their shtick, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, like, it, everybody's being trying so hard to make them. sure you're having a good time. And, like, they're being, like, so nice and affectionate towards you that it's hard not to, like, want to, like, emulate that kind of back, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I, and, like, I, I myself being friendly to people now that I'm back, and just, like, just, like sometimes with, like, like, belief people, like, oh, a human talk to me. It, this is not the way here. Uh, but other times I'm just met with, with like, with the proper... proper East, East Coast vibe of just icy death stare, stare of like he talked talk to me. He must want want something. I need, yeah. need to remove myself from, from situation. Yeah, no, it's not exactly like that. Um, maybe I guess maybe more so in like the urban areas of the South, but definitely in the in between places, it's not like that at all. Like uh, no, no, yeah, what, we we went to, to like the in between places. Uh, Atlanta, anything. <laughs> Yeah. Have you been to Atlanta at all? Uh, I've been to it like a very, very little bit, but not not like in great depth. You know, just kind of going out to restaurants and then coming back and stuff like that. So like, you know, not really to like explore for a day or anything. Yeah, Atlanta is worth exploring and and going to. It It is, A, something I appreciate. It's a minority majority city now, which means... Yeah. Like... Black people with with money are everywhere, and it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like, like, oh, oh, we suck. Well, there's like that whole other um, part of black culture that I don't, you know, like obviously, you know, I'm I'm a white American fully, so like I don't really understand the whole HBCU culture, and like I don't understand like the black Greek system, but they both seem endlessly fascinating to me. Like, all their weird, like, niche traditions and stuff. And I don't mean that condescendingly at all. Like, I just admire that shit, like, so much. It's, like, very cool to me. Well, that's... What, what, what I thought was cool was, was it was, like... Everybody gave a shit. Yeah. So, like, like it, would nev- it would never, like... like I, there would, I very rarely saw people in Atlanta, at least... Who are like, I'm just going out, out to, like, milk. No, I'm going out to get milk. Lay up the good, good shoes. Put on, on the good clothes. Go get milk. Really yeah. off, really off. The, the one thing I will say is when I went out, like, when I went out at night, any white people I saw, it was very, very clear that there was, like, a like, very segregated situation happening. Yeah, it's like it. It uh, and I, 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 I do research all the time, and I read more than one description of club. Like, man, and don't go here. They're super racist. <laughs> like your skin, like your your skin drop drops, like hits a certain mountain point, and they they just look at you. <laughs> They'll let you in, but that's only because they want the cover charge. Yeah, no, definitely. And that was, was that was, it was just very strange. 
Um, but, but no. So all of, all of that all aside, I really just wanted to let you know you know the lawyers lawyers like definitively. They're, well, they're, they're the only speaking, people. By I was works. I was actually thinking of this while we were talking. Speaking of um, culture shock. And things being a little bit different in a different part of the world, that's kind of what we're here to talk about, right? Yeah, uh, weirdly, yes, yes, and I almost want to say, say no, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Because uh, the reason why I have a guest, why I have a guest on the podcast this time, which I haven't, which most of my listeners haven't heard yet, and and by you're the second pocket pod to go up, go up on the new website site for this podcast called Lunchbox Publishing, which people can go to and they can check out. So it should be a link what's the to... what's the address? Um, it's it's just lunchboxpublishing.com. There you go. And, and that link will will be in the description. And thank you. I just just proved I'm bad at this. But um um, so we're gonna be talking about a little film from two thousand three. I was gonna, gonna say two thousand three, but I wasn't quite. Um, called in translation, starring yeah. Bill Murray, Murray and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Thank you. I have a cheat sheet up. I have a cheat sheet. I, I got okay. IMDb. But, up. So you, you're the you're the. I mean, like I have a whole second second screen here now, but but you're clearly really being responding here, which is good because what needs to be to be. Uh. uh so, why don't we run down the, like, like a rough plot synopsis of the movie? Cause I think it's important reasons we'll get that to. Yeah. Um, well, there's, it's also good because it's not, there's not a ton to get through in terms of uh, plot. Because it's a big, uh, part of this to me, uh, part of this movie to me is it's a real visual spectacle. Yeah, it is. And, it uh, definitely is. Like, it's not a particularly, like, overly plot-dense, although it does have, like, kind of a cliffhanger ending, which is interesting. Um, See, I, I find it, uh, and we'll get to the ending, I'm sure, but I find it to n- very much not be a cliffhanger ending. I find it to be, be like, a really fucked-up sad ending. Well, that's what's sad about it, is that you're not... You don't know what any of this really meant to these two people in the end, I feel like. But let's let's get to that uh, at the end. Yeah. Um, so, basically, the movie is kind of... What's interesting to me, something I learned today in my research, the movie is kind of based on um, real events. And I don't just mean the, uh, the similarities of the characters to any of the, the lead actors or anything. Um, so... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Sophia Coppola's dad, uh, Sophia Coppola, who's the uh, the director and the writer of this movie, um, yeah, um, actually did ads for Suntory whiskey back in the uh, late seventies or early eighties. I couldn't quite find out which. Oh really? Really? I had um, no idea about. But so that. her dad, who you know, of course, was the famous American director of yeah, yeah. Uh, the God. Father films and uh, a whole bunch of other great uh, parts of the American film canon um, actually went to Japan and like so these apparently the movie is partially based on his experiences 
um, doing that. that. So basically, um, Bob Harris, who is kind of a um, a late middle aged American movie star, it's like I, I, see, he it's hard if, to tell if he's a lead actor or if he's like a character actor. And I hate to use this. I hate to use this person as an example, but um. um Who's the anti-Semitic guy directed Passion of the Christ? Mel Gibson. It, he seems like, seems like over-the-hill Mel Gibson-style actor based on the clips of his movies that you see him watching and just being like, oh, I'd never say yes to, to any of this. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like feel very lethal when the like, like clips to see that, that should just be him. Well, in in defense of the the Lethal Weapon movies, not that I really want to be like a Mel Gibson apologist or anything. <laughs> no, but nobody in their does. Time, in their time, like the Lethal Weapon movies were, uh, uh, commercially they were extremely successful. Yeah, that's, why, that's why they made them. And uh, number two, uh, they were most of them got good reviews. Like most of them were seen as like action movies that were clever and witty, and there was the um, interesting dynamic between the two characters whose names I'm blanking on, but this podcast isn't about them. Anyway. No, but, um, like, but I yeah, want to give, like, context for, like, who he is, because... It's it's definitely implied that he's past the zenith of his career. Yeah, like, 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 like he's he now, like, in the... It, he is in the realm now where he would have a pod, podcast that like, a, a couple of people listen, listen to, and he can make ad dollars off of well, yeah. So that's that's what what's where his cur- current uh, career is at is that he gets flown out to Tokyo to do um, ad um, ad shoots for Suntory whiskey, you know, yeah, uh, which yeah. is a Japanese whiskey whiskey company that is a real company in real life. They're actually huge. Um, yeah, they apparently now own Orangina, which is something Are that I serious? found out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, a couple of other um, alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages throughout the world. Let me oh. get the quick list going. Oh, they oh, also own. Oh, um, um, before we if we move on, just to say, a yeah, Atlanta is wholly owned by Coca-Cola. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like um, amazing. Also, I went I went with Coca-Cola and like probably came home and stopped drinking coke i don't know what that says but that happened but also in the process of like in atlanta found out that that pep's owns burger king oh yeah yum yum brand oh yum is, brand, uh, brand is like is like consortium thing i didn't know that yeah yeah so that's, that means they so that's also um, own, um wendy's right no, uh, I think it's Taco Bell, uh, KFC, Long John Silver's, and Burger <laughs> King. And then, um, well, this is the horrifying nature of American capitalism when you really get down to it, is that everything's actually just owned by, like, a handful of companies yeah. and people. So I, I did I, I did something today where I'm like, oh, they just stepped off the lap being one of the six, six companies to survive in the, the, in the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. About, no, like, well, pet smarter, smarter. Well, like, try avoiding giving money to the Koch brothers. It's, like, damn near impossible. Um, here. 
like uh, Georgia Pacific. Uh, fucking that alone is like so many brands <laughs> of paper towels and like oh, just yeah. different. Oh, it's wild. Um, they have huge gas companies that provide gas to a lot of places and like. Nice. Yeah, it's wild. Wild stuff, man. Also, anyway. we managed to we managed to like just narrowly laid like the the real shit show of, of the government down in the T the T like the day after, after we got we got they stopped inspecting planes for a period of time. Oh yeah. No, it's just bonkers. Um But I, But um, anyway. Uh so he's in he's in Tokyo uh to film an advertisement for Suntory Whiskey. And then the other main character, who is portrayed by uh, Scarlett Johansson, is there. Uh, she's a college student. Um, she, she's no, a, college graduate. She's, she's a college graduate. But like they said, that I think she just completed grad school, and she was like, like, in in, in philosophy. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. And, yeah, yeah. And this and this, the next character, or the character she comes with. Like takes the cake for like holy fuck is he young and it's Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah, her who plays her husband John, who's a celebrity photographer who's on assignment in Tokyo. And just the biggest uh, dick. Yeah, huge <laughs> dick. Um, and so uh, she he so basically Bill Murray is uh past uh past the prime a little bit. Yeah. She ha- is uh, feeling unsure in her relationship to uh, John as portrayed by Rabisi. Especially um, when it's, when it's, who's the, the actress who plays the um the blonde like the blonde movie starlet who's doing a press tour there? Um I'm not sure. She like, like she's a no, she's a known no name, but like, that cat character is like it's strongly suggested that her and Giovanni Bisi's character John like oh Anna fuck. is it Anna Ferris yes, yeah Anna, Anna Ferris playing Kelly it's yeah it's very clear that like oh they bang at some point point oh yeah yeah <laughs> like no, a, like you, you, that uncomfortable like and this is my wife it's moment. very strongly implied yeah um, um and then. Also, uh, clearly, Bob uh, Bob Harris, Bill Murray's character, is clearly going through some things in his marriage. They seem to be pretty alienated as well. Every time, like, he got, like, a fact or, like, a package of swatches that were all different shades of burgundy, I just kind of laughed a little too hysterically. Like, I, I, laughed, yeah. I felt really, really bad or... Yeah, no, that was a really good detail, I feel like. Um, just, like, this, ha- having to do these whiskey ads so that this home can get decorated so that it can have, like, the peace and quiet at home of her yeah, being satisfied. That's really, really and good way, way he couldn't to explain give a shit. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. he's at the point, point in his career, you know, you know, he's commercials in Japan, Japan you know, a, a, a nephew needs a, li- a liver transplant. Yeah, yeah, no, um... But anyway, so Bob and Charlotte, these two seemingly very disparate characters, other than their alienation from their significant others and their uh, kind of existential crises, um, keep bumping into each other. 
Um, and uh, basically, they finally meet at the hotel bar uh, when they can't sleep due to uh, jet lag. Um, so then, uh, eventually, Charlotte invited Bob uh, out for the uh, karaoke scene, which is kind of like the uh, the peak of the movie to me. Oh, the the scene uh, where they go where they, they go to karaoke, and then they go to. Yeah. He goes out with, like, her 20-something Tokyo friends, and they go out and do karaoke and go see the nightlife and stuff like that, and it's, like, this they've very... they've uh, gun, gun for the streets, which all I, all I think, like, oh, yeah. this must be a movie, because I feel like the Tokyo Metro piece would just show up and be like, stop that, you're, you're scaring people. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. Based I don't on, know that much about them. I have read actually of them in in um this this book twice, which I think I think I've been actually before on this on a podcast with you that most people listening to this probably have heard, but it's a it's a story written by the first. I'm pretty sure, sure only American report in the Tokyo. Oh yeah, I've read this. Uh, I forget what it, it's Tokyo Vice maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. written as an insurance policy on his own life, so like gangster didn't murder him and his family. There's a apparently, from what I understand, there's like really mixed opinions of that guy in the expat community of Tokyo, in terms of like how accurate of a journalist he is generally, and like stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know that much about the controversy though. I've just seen it on Twitter. I I I can I can I can totally imagine. I think I've t- talked to Jake. His, his name is Jake Stein. I think I think I've actually talked to him to him once under. Um, but I, I mean, based on what I've seen of him, he seems like he got he was an okay reporter to a point, and then, and then he just got like something stuck in his paw, and that was was what he did, and and that was trafficking in Tokyo, which is a whole thing, but but that can be a different thing. Um, so... So at the end of this uh, karaoke night, um, the two, uh, Bob and Charlotte, uh, end up having, like, this deep, uh, like I said, very existential conversation about Charlotte's marriage woes and Bob's, like, mutual, I get not mutual because they're not married, but, like, um, you know, his similar like worries about his married life and uh it's i think a big part of this film and the reason why i think like a big part of it is about alienation is you have these two people who are outsiders to the culture and um like part of the reason why it's called lost in translation is you think about the uh the ad shoots that bob is doing during the day or just like they're and you have this director who's giving this like like crazy um, direction that's like, you know, uh, like you're in your study and you're enjoying this delicious whiskey that uh, makes you feel like the presence of a, a warm, close friend. And then the camera comes on you and it's your close friend too. And like, you're going to come at it like Humphrey Bogart. And then the um, the translator just goes like, uh, More yeah, intensity. So the camera is going to come on you and you're going to need to point. At the camera and look straight into the camera, and he goes, "That's it. That's all. That's all he said." It's a great, it's a great little moment, and I think it well, really like gets at like the heart of like the um, 
They have not just like that they can't understand like the Japanese people around them or whatever, but also they have a hard time understanding the people in their lives generally. Yeah, but they they and I struggled the entire movie. I struggled the entire movie in Af and Afi with the feeling like because like, um, um, this game just you probably don't know this, but this came out in two thousand three, which was like right, which should have been right at like the peak, start, starting to slope down, like the popularity of of anime and Jap Japanese culture. Hilariously, hilariously, because the Olympics next year are in Tokyo, where like it's starting to ramp up slowly again. Yeah, I've noticed, but so like. When I watch this movie and I have that in mind, I find I think could they they have this a sim and they probably could have Paris, but I but then I like like watch the film and I'm like oh no wait they spend a shit ton of time locating location the enti entire city the movie is is fucking gorgeous. I mean, yeah. Uh, there's a whole, um, the whole sequence where Scarlett Johansson is just wandering around a Shinto, uh, like a like a Shinto and temple temple. That's just just, uh, it's just an atmospheric shot, like a melancholy at, like pack, like a second full of atmospheric shots. Set to like melancholy, melancholy music, which actually uh, um a song song called "Lost Kyoto" from the band band Er. Yeah. Um, and just like that section cements the movie. Like, okay, this is why it needed to be here. This is why they they wanted this. Probably on top of the fact that like, that, like hey, some PR, PR like what what. Tokyo's really hot right now, so we should set it there. Like I, I got that feeling a little bit, but it yeah. wasn't so. But it wasn't so exploitative that it felt uh, that it felt like like it was told in that scene. I was just like, this is just, just, it's just like this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think this is a movie that, uh, in some ways, holds up very well. And in other ways, feels very much a uh, a product of its era. Yeah. It has this very early 2000s, um, like I think, you know, uh, a good thing to remember is that this is only two years after 9-11. Like travel has really changed. American society has totally changed. Um, the Internet is really starting to come more into its own. I mean, um, in in 2003, YouTube wasn't even a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, MySpace was. And, like, that era of the internet was around um, 2003. I was 13. I was I was on Rotten.com a lot, looking at pictures <laughs> of motorcycle accidents and shotgun mishaps. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, the internet was a, was a weirder, crueler place. And I think that also, like, um, the the other thing that I think about the uh, early 2000s is, um, other than 9-11, which was this huge catastrophic uh, thing that changed like a lot of discourse in our society, um, other than that moment, um, like we were still kind of in this late 90s, uh, like HR, 
department sanitized corporate culture. Yeah. Uh, and- that that had left a lot of people feeling very frustrated and um, alienated. Just, and just, just as an aside, if you, you want to... Watch the the trailer of this movie. Movie. It is like the most like all it's missing is Mr. Movie Phone. It is like the most nineties ass trailer of oh, like yeah. like it, the movie they pitch in the trailer is like the total different pedestrian like worse move movie than you get just well, from yeah, watching this, the thing. This movie, yeah, this movie also like uh is a particularly artful film. And I think that, um, you know, uh, what studio put this out, actually? That's a good thing to look up. Um, focus. 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 Yeah. yeah fo- no, no, no. I don't know why I thought. Why I thought. They, also, they also put out the movie that most people consider ruined Will Smith's career seven pounds. Yeah. Uh, so Focus did do kind of artsier pictures. They were... Uh, I don't think they were owned by Comcast at that point. They are now. Oh, they are. They uh, are. They're, now. they're is, a wing of Universal just a damn Pictures. Shame. Yeah, they're they're a wing of Universal Pictures though, and I think that they were set up as like kind of a uh, like an arts and culture focused um, distribution branch of Universal. So I, it's kind of interesting to me that they didn't market this better because I also remember you know myself being a thirteen year old little film nerd. I knew all about this movie because I was obsessed with Francis Ford Coppola. So when I heard that and his also, daughter was going to direct a movie, I was kind of obsessed with the idea. Wasn't, wasn't this on the time? I'm, maybe this has been later. later. Remember, you, you saw Life Aquatic and it, like, warped you. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I went through a whole Wes Anderson phase yeah, right around I, then. Where I it was just Rushmore, Life Aquatic. Like, into Wes, Wes Anderson. Well, it's, it's funny. So, like, I actually think that Steve Zissou and Bob Harris are not the most similar um, um, Wes Anderson, uh, Bill Murray characters yeah. to make the comparison to. I think actually the better one is the um, the rich asshole dad that he played in Rushmore. Okay. Okay. I, who, I had a girlfriend who tried to convince me to watch Rushmore for, like, the entire time we were together. And I just, like, I've seen clips of it, and it had always put me to sleep. I'm like, no! <laughs> You're not doing that to me. I don't lie. It's so it's so good, though. It's such a visual... That movie's such a visual feast, and it's so funny. It's, it's actually, I think, um, funniest Wes Anderson movies are probably... The, the funniest one, in a conventional sense, is definitely Bottle Rockets. Um, but okay. then I think his two funniest ones after that are probably Rushmore and then um, Royal Tenenbaums for me, at least. Okay. But uh, but anyway, um, so after their big, like, connected moment after the karaoke where they have this deep conversation, um, it's their penul- it's the penultimate night for Bob's stay, like his second to last night yeah. or whatever. And um, he uh, he bangs this weird jazz singer. <laughs> he he does bang. Which struck, which struck me as hilarious. Which struck me interesting. And yeah. And this this scene made it is what 
confirmed it from my in my mind. This is a movie about an emotional um fling, basically. What, what's uh, the word? Yeah. A, 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 an, um, about, about cheating on your spouse, spouse, spouses emotionally, basically. Because that's really what they were doing. Like, at, it made very clear that Bill Murray's character and Scott Johansson's character don't have a sexual relationship at all. Yeah, well, I think this, this movie, um, a big root of it is that um, you can't really love other people unless you actually love yourself. And I think that's the big um, failing point of Bill Murray's character to me in and of that he doesn't really like love him. Like you said, like he was watching clips of himself and he was just like feeling utter disgust and like yeah. embarrassment. Um, and like also throughout the movie, he's very self-deprecating. Um, he's like, he constantly finds himself in these awkward situations where he, uh, he feels like powerless over like external forces. I feel like, yeah. Um, like he can't do anything to stop where his career is at. He can't affect the fact that he has to do these ads to make this money, to keep a certain lifestyle. Like, you know, it's like all, he feels very obligated. And, um, I think by, having sex with the jazz singer, he's acknowledging that he wants to be emotionally intimate with uh, Charlotte. And uh, he's just really bad at expressing that. And so he does something that he knows will hurt her too in the long run, which it does. Yeah. Um, But, and and they, and they make that very clear because it's the director who sends him the, the hooker. The weird hooker at the beginning. <laughs> well, I don't know that she's a hooker. I think it's just that the jazz singer saw him. No, no. I mean, I mean, at the, I mean, at the beginning, the very beginning of the movie, the movie when that weird Japanese oh. movie, she's a hooker. The hooker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the one uh, who's rolled around the floor. Who's is it? The director who sends that girl? I don't know. I think it is. I think because that's maybe implied. Yeah. They made very clear clear that like. At that point, point in the movie, at the end of the movie, movie, he's not gonna, not gonna take, like sexual favor. He, like he's not gonna take payment in, like sex yeah. for like the director being an asshole on set. He's not there for that. He's not interested in that. He, at that that point, I don't think really capable. Of it. Yeah. But then you get you get yeah the jazz singer singer the arguably not really great jazz singer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's really doing some some numbers. She she doing she doing some numbers in English in Japan where, let's just just say it, the bar bar is not high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On English language. In yeah, Japan. yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, Charlotte ends up overhearing the woman in Bob's room when she goes to talk to him one morning. Uh, or the next morning, rather, not just one morning. But um, so that's what sets off uh, their big argument um, over lunch uh, that they have together. And uh, Charlotte feels really betrayed by the fact that he slept with this jazz singer, um, which also like it's very weird to me because, um, like you said, a lot of this movie is about emotional cheating, and that's basically what she's been doing with Bob. 
Um, and actually, I don't, I don't um, let this go, this go because if you're listening to this and you've never heard, seen this movie, you're like, wait, where the fuck is her husband, John Giovanni Ribisi? He fucked off to the other side of the country. Like, he said, hey, let's go ahead and it'll be fun. fun. It'll be, I work, but it'll be, it'll be fun. You get to go to Japan. Japan. And, and, of course, yes, as, as most people would just be like, ah, fine, if you don't have much going on, which she clearly doesn't. And then, and then he abandons her in a four-star hotel and fucks off to the other end of the island. Of, um, Hanshu Island, island or whatever the island is called. called Hanshu. And it, she, she kind of, like, left in this, like... Arrested development state of she can't leave. She she doesn't speak speak the language. She now she now no longer has like the air of the reason reason that she's there in the in the first place there. He he left left there. Like I'll come back for you. Yeah. Bullshit. So that's why she just kind of like. It's, one force that can just like, go wherever ever she wants, and nobody ever ever asking questions. Yeah. Um, I found it kind of interesting, just like you know, uh, that her character throughout the movie, um, like you said, she very clearly doesn't have a whole lot going on, and it's just like she seems to not know what she wants to do, but also I, I feel like that's, like, a shitty excuse to not be doing anything. And, like, that's one of the few real problems that I have with the movie is that her character kind of lacks a little bit of, like, initiative and drive um, yeah. that you might see from a more realistically fleshed-out character. Like, I feel like it's never... there. It's implied that she's faced some type of failure, but it's never really, like... Like, a lot of this movie is left in, like, implication. And, well, like... What I, I get from 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 her... So this, this is, like, like me, doing, this is me, doing, me doing political work of, like, looking at this and, like, piecing together their shit that I've encountered. I went to a really... I went to a really, 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 really good fucking high, high school. Yeah. Short, short of going private school, school you don't better than school I went to. Went to. And uh, that's true of the entire public school system in the town I went to in New Jersey. But the kinds of people that that, that environment develop is, is really similar to uh, uh, Charlie in this movie. It, it's people who, who are extremely who extremely skilled, extremely intelligent... But, like, they can lack the, like, societal norm that allow them to to, to see, see stuff for, for what it really is. And so what I see when I see her is this girl who went to, who has had a pretty privileged, like, upbringing and life, and that took her all the way through grade school. And probably in school, she encountered this, in, this photographer who was really artsy and really cool and seemed to be going places, and that was Giovanni Busey's character, John. And before she knew it, she was within a bad, she was in a bad, because she's a bad marriage, like, very clear. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not it, a very it's, good situation. It's, you know, like, 
he definitely he definitely definitely locked on a Ferris's character like while they were married. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it's it's just it's not a good marriage. But because she didn't have and she she did what lots, lots of people do do, which is you go go to college, you both to go to college and you're totally smart and you take something that you might have had some feeling about liking but wasn't a useful thing. Like you went to school for film. Yeah. I went to school for, for design. Like those are those are similar say you learn learn well you learn skin skill that are directly translatable to a job. Yeah. But something like philosophy is like the you fuck can write. gonna like you can write right yeah like, like I can't have written written about philosophical concepts that I didn't need it need a degree yeah. for before uh, so it it just strikes me as she was kind of spoon fed the world for long for long enough and then she but along she made just just enough Say wrong, wrong, but not great decisions. It culminates in you're abandoned in a hotel in a hotel room in the middle of Tokyo by your shitty eating husband, and and you you know what you want to do because no one no one told you that like maybe maybe you should fuck fuck a company with your life. Yeah. Like uh, to me, I mean, I know a girl who was in in who I knew in eighth grade. I'll never forget because it was like like the visual is was in my brain brain forever. She was like like overachieving, vest in the in the middle in the middle of normal school day wearing like kept her hair in this tight giant bun at the top of her head all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I saw her in in graduation. In eighth grade, great graduation. She let her she let her hair down. First time I want I want it ever, in in like, yeah, with like long blonde Rapunzel all the way down, dragging on the floor. That's wild. And you like you just instantly understood like oh fuck this this girl is pressed so hard. And then I and I heard from a friend of mine later and later in high school, like two years three years later. Oh yeah, I ran I ran in, ran in. She cut all of her hair off. She's a total fucking stoner now. So yeah. Like, the, the, and the, the, she's how I was, ended, ended up thinking on I watched, watched Scarlett Johansson's movie because I'm, I'm like, oh, she, she's at the start of, of like this weird burnout phase, phase happens to people like that. Yeah, like yeah. Once, once you no longer have the force of whoever the fuck it is on the other end being, being like, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have, you have to do. This. Used to like like exist and slowly spin the fuck out, and it's like to me, that's where the that's where the Charlotte character is going, and like you're just you're seeing this diet. That's why she she seems so fucking spoiled because she is. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's definitely, like, one of the larger problems with the movie. Um, but anyway, so then they have the argument, but it's basically over as soon as it started because yeah, then like there's, a weird, a, quippy argument, there's a fire drill uh, later on that day, and they reconcile. 
and uh, they talk about how much they'll miss each other as they make their final visit to the hotel bar. Um, and then uh, the next day, Bob is heading back home, um, and then him and Charlotte meet up, uh, I think, for the last time and say goodbye at the hotel lobby. Um, and basically, uh, he heads out to find a cab, but she runs out to follow him after leaving to go to the elevator. Um, and then they, they do a big smoocheroo after, uh, the kind of cliffhanger that I was implying at the beginning. Um, he like gives her a hug while she's crying and, and whispers something into her ear that the audience can't hear. So it's, it's off, you know, off the recorded dialogue of the film. Yeah. Um, and then they do a, a quick smoocheroo and they say goodbye. And then Bob hops in the cab and drives off. Now, so, so you got most of that right, but what what happened? Actually, and this is really this is really important. And this, and this is this, this is pretty pretty genius. Actually, this is like a public face, private face kind of thing. Yeah, is that she runs into him as he's like doing the last of his his press for bullshit because his. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And and she just kind of like like his body, and she she hands him a check. And he and he leaves, and he sees her walking through the crowd, in yeah. like a crowded street, and he said to tell like the cab to stop, and that's where they have the emotional emotional hug. Oh, okay, and there we go. Uh, but but it's, so this this about um about about um, Bob or or Bill Murray's character is that. He exists in this perpetual state of constantly avoiding this responsibility that he has whenever he's with Charlotte. Yeah. But the thing about, about Scohanson's character is that she has, she has responsibility. And she just, like, she is... And this is interesting because it's a Japanese concept called ukiyo-e exists in this in this floating world constantly where n- nothing matters yeah. she, she just kind of there and ha- she cl- she clearly has enough money to do whatever the fuck she wants she's got a four-star hotel room that oscillates between absolutely trapped and spick and span yeah um and for for you to believe you you don't know long she, she's gonna be there yeah true uh, uh, and so she's just kind of like, like I said, her husband's gone. She's just floating through the world. But the point at which he touched ground and he and Bill Murray's character feel, feels the most ease is when, is when they're together, but noticeably when, when there's no one else around. Yeah. Which is, which is once again, it's... A, cue from the movie, movie like this very much, much an emotional affair that that just never had the tipping point point of turning like a full blown fair affair and so the like the them acknowledging each other when he's leaving the time is very much like I think the idea of like oh, like oh wait you know knows this guy, they know he's married, it would look weird and be, like, like super uncomfortable for him to, like, be 
very intimate with a girl who is only half his age, it's suggested. And it's... So, like, they can't... They can't be real with each other in front of everyone else. Yeah. They can't, like, societally, they can't do it. And so that, that's, that's why, ultimately, he, like, turned the crowd, and he's like, this has to happen now, or it won't happen. happen. And then yeah. they, and then they have that scene. Uh, the really highly, at the time, time it came out, it was a really highly regarded movie, probably because of the prestige, you know, they got, they made everything, thing right in the, PR census movie. It's Fran it's Francis Sophia Coppola directing. Yeah. It's immaculately it's immaculately shot. It's got uh, you know and I, I wanna say the Japanese actors are really really significant actors. I I director might be a mic star. Don't quote me on that though. Yeah. Um, like, well, it's it's kind of interesting. So there was some criticism of the movie um, at the time it was released. Um, both inside and outside of Japan, which kind of was largely based around the idea that uh, the movie leans on a lot of outsider Western stereotypes about Japanese culture. That's that, absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, and that it also uh, relies on, um, you know, kind of a not very nuanced interpretation of modern Japanese culture versus ancient Japanese culture. Like this film has like a lot to say about like the, you know, nobility of like Shinto temples and Buddhism and like flower arranging, but they're staying at the park Hyatt and like, it's kind of highlighted. That's like a very artificial kind of um, place, but it is like a, a place of modern Japan. You know, it's a modern yeah. four star hotel. You know, it's, yeah. it's luxury in that part of the world, which, like, for better or for worse, a lot of times luxury in that part of the world means Western emulation, sure, but, like, that's not, like, all there is to it either. It has its own distinct culture, which, like, you know, I think that uh, a lot of this film is a result of the fact that um, Sofia Coppola is uh, part of a moneyed dynastic you know, kind of family that, like, had the money to where she could travel to Tokyo on a whim in her early 20s. And, and shoot this um, movie. And shoot this movie and, like, have all the opportunities that she does. And I'm not um, 100% criticizing on her on all of that, but I do want to just acknowledge um, that that was something that was brought up in regards to the film, you know? I, I can I can totally and the... the... The scene that I meant I meant about like having the Lost in Kyoto song by Air, which may or may not have been written for this movie, um, I'm not sure. And then it that whole surprise me. It surprised me at all, at all, because it's like so. It's the synchronous, the music, and the, the that whole scene is so spot on. That I'm like, it would make so much sense if she just like call up. Somebody she went like I I, th I think I want a song for this scene that I, I have in my head that we that we blocked out. But we need to write it and they and they got aired it. Um um but so with scene, with that being said like with all of the criticism I just looked this up real quick it does have a ninety five percent 
on yeah, Rotten like, Tomatoes. So very, it did have some criticism, but it was a widely well-regarded movie. It was like, like it was like like seriously high high up there. Um, yeah. um But that scene in particular, what it does, what that scene does, that most of the movie just narrowly, narrowly skates by, except for the, the talk show scene. Yeah, that was really. Um, that was pretty cringy. That uh, it presents this this alien vision of Japan. It is an and, outsider's perspective for sure. And but specifically with the because she runs into a Shinto wedding. With yeah. Like, and just like like the way they shoot that from the way they shoot that to the way the way they color it to like like the very music in the in the background. It's like it's like it, it is an innately Western looking at a foreign thing, and it. It may actually wonder wonder if it happened first, first if movie happened, happened if like script script happened, or or Francis Ford or um, Sofia Coppola spent time in Japan and was like. Well, no, she spent time in Japan in her early twenties, so she made this movie in her. Late or late twenties or early thirties, I think, and okay, basically okay, so. a lot of the movie is based off of both her dad's experiences shooting those Suntory ads that happened in real life, yeah, and her experiences, um, kind of being a twenty-year-old who was kind of uh, like the character in the film, kind of shiftless. Although I don't think she was married, uh, Sofia Coppola, that is. Yeah. Um, but like, was kind of a twenty-year-old who didn't, really, who wasn't a hundred percent sure what she wanted to do. Yeah, and and this movie, like like I started to say, this movie feels like somebody spent a lot of time in like a, a place where they were they were very clearly an outsider, and like where I think I I think I read something. About it. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. It's cool. Um, and, and it's just like, it's very, it's very like these two watching. And this is why, this is why I said this movie could be could have had Harris. It just wouldn't have been quite as probably not quite as stark as it is because it has of different look look and feel. But but this this movie feels like like two characters are watching like the machine of life happen and, and they are just to the left of it a lot of times in in a way that it's only like the Western lens aimed at Japan this and this time better in a lot of of cases and a lot the. I think it's less on Bill Murray than on the, the film proper. Actually, it's on, on both of them. It's on Bill Murray and on John Scarlett jo- Johansson. Is that that their interactions with the Japanese characters? It's very rare that they have any attempt to like, like even even talk like Bill Murray talk, talking to the like like. Publicity people. It's like it's like he's handling with kid gloves, and he's trying to get out of there. And yeah. Like it's like asshole American. I think it's meant that way, but 
I think it goes well, a little too it's, far. It's, it's interesting that you have these two people who are being very intimate and uh, empathetic towards each other because they see each other as being like, you know, oh, we're both Americans or whatever, right? Like that's their that's their instant hook, like their initial hook or whatever into each other's lives. But then yeah. um, they have like little to no visible empathy towards any of the Japanese people surrounding them. And they kind of just trample their way through interactions with them without really like trying to like connect on a personal level with any of those people that are, that are like the people of their host yeah. country, which and is kind of, it's, also get it's the... interesting because it's also like a famous facet of Japanese culture that they are not particularly welcoming to outsiders. So I guess oh, you yeah. could kind of you could kind of make that <laughs> argument thing. also like as a count as just playing devil's advocate or whatever. But, but, but best expressed in um I'm actually this is a dick expression, but but um I have a friend a friend who he was like I I we were talking about something and he it came up and he's like yeah what's with the Japanese and then like not the regalia and I just looked him down the face like someone like. They're already really racist, and they were all wrong side. Like, yeah, they were not on the one on the way side, and they were on on the most most losing side. So, <laughs> they, like, I feel like I feel like they were like, you know what? The atom bomb is our hood pass on being obsessed <laughs> with Nazi regalia. Like, you know what I mean? We had the a bomb dropped on us, so like, if we're a little bit weird, <laughs> like. like Sorry. Pardon us. Well, the, the, the key thing, the key thing that Germany did, that literally Japan and I think most of the Axis power didn't do, is Germany made a, made a hard correct of, of being like, no, no, like, fuck that. Uh, and they're having problems prob with the Nazi party now that they're, like, desperately trying to deal with for obvious reasons. Uh, they were like, no, fuck that. We were monsters. We will, will pay restitution money, and like going act of being being Jewish in or like or like you or me with the last last no hand. Yeah, you seem to be Jewish, and, and like we were like deities basically in some ways. Like people would, would apologize to us from what I've heard, and uh, uh, that first correction didn't happen anywhere else. And and. It, it so in places like Japan that develop like it, there's a concept that like, like World War Two was not us and, and that never happened again. But there's no con concept of this is why it ha it happened. This is why it's wrong. wrong. Yeah, and it, it, it's it, it, so it's just like. It also, it also, and the thing the way that that come, come through in the movie, it actually, actually the way, the way, not the American character talk to talk to G character, but the way the Japanese characters kind of handle all of the American characters, that makes yeah. any sense? Like, um, the best, best example of it is, is when, um, Scarlett Johan Johan's character goes to the the flower arranging class, class, and the flower arranging teacher is just like very patient but very annoyed, 
and very like, yeah, yeah, you, you put it in there like that. Put it in there like, like that, you dumbass. And, and Scarlett Hansen is just like, like, she does not not get it and over her, her head as high, high as it go. And she just kind of like walks out and she's very like, yeah, confused, not intimidated. But confused, but in that in interaction, it's very clear that like like yeah, and just feeling that the that woman was creating her condescended to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and and by that by that movie that seems kind of earned because once again her character is this kind of like brat who was was handed the world yeah and um. Or like um, the diff the difference difference there is, there is um, Anna Faris's character. Who I wish I could remember her name because like this, this is like she's an important piece of getting on out of the picture, basically. Oh, it's it's Kelly. Ke- Ke- Kelly, like that character, Doctor Kelly, is like like this total full fucking both darling, darling. Yeah. And like you, they make sure that you hear conversations of hers in her press bunkets that are like just the most insulting surface level bullshit about Japan she can muster that's like you would on talk shows shows here and it would be it would be worthy. Yeah. <laughs> but there it's just like the entire room laughs but like you can, can feel that there's just like there's just a piece for like Japanese variety or some some shit. Well, I feel like even when Japanese people like or or really respect um, a like a, an American celebrity, they have a certain like expectation that uh, we're not going to be able to understand anything about their culture. So there is like this very like being dealt with with kid gloves, yeah, kind of feel um, in all interactions. I feel like with American media and like especially with like pop starlets, I feel like it's it's double doubly concentrated that that sense yeah well, well the, they have the um which if you want a hilarious time on um um but this is both both to the list and and to you if you want a hilarious, hilarious time on netflix you can watch this show called goku dolls which is about Yakuza member commit some horrible offense in their Yakuza game. So they're, so they're insane boss and them to Taiwan to get sex sex changes so they so they can be pop idols idols in Japan. Okay. And they come back and so they live these like hardened fucking gangsters who the first word out of my mouth is like, Oh fuck. I didn't didn't think we'd this hot. After sex, sex change, I thought we thought we'd be up tranny. <laughs> and so they embark on, on being idled and they become slowly and slowly more popular. <laughs> yeah. But so, like, Japan has this, this model of, like, per, per, like to, to death, extremely highly, highly produced, insane stars. So, like, they, they have a system for this. And we have a system for celebrities like that. And when you plug those two things together, it's like this complete fake apparatus. And one place, place where I say that the, the producingness is meant to be is actually in that um, a, when you hear the press junk from Kelly 
and yeah. B, when Bob Harris goes to that Johnny Carson of Japan show. Yeah, that was very And weird. it's like, oh, um, who, who's the British talk, talk show host? There are Ooh. a bunch. I know. The British, to, um, oh, fuck, it's gonna drive me nuts. But there's a British talk show that that kind of reminds me of. Um, but he was like, the British talk, talk show was just outrageous and it's an out there. And a, a lot of the talk shows in Japan yeah. are that. They're like, like almost, they're like just short of being game shows in some cases. Oh, and... yeah. Well, there's, there's the one that I know where they have the segment, um, the Japanese talk show where they have a segment where one of the anchors of the talk show, um, devises various like feats of dexterity that are essentially like the trick where a waiter pulls the tablecloth off yeah. the table and none of the none of the place setting moves. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does that with like single cups of hot coffee, like on his naked right. except for a set of tidy whitey body. Oh god. Um, and so like he'll do that with like a drone. That will pull a napkin out from under the hot coffee cup um, without disturbing it and then spilling hot coffee all over his body. His naked, his naked body. It's a nightmare, nightmare deal for him, I guess. Yeah, you know, (laughs) or there's the one, there's the one where they put people in an elaborate room that has one, uh, like, item in the room is actually made of chocolate. Oh, oh, God. And it's up to the people to decide what object in the room they think is chocolate. And just, like, take a little bite. See oh. if it is. <laughs> but, but I think so that was, American that's, TV that's is not that far off from this of, point uh, either. Of Japanese talk show culture at the current moment. That's actually more than I have, so you're, you're a far, farther than at least. There you but, go. Um... Like, the, the one place where I think that, like, alien feeling of it helps is that talk show. Because at that point, Bob was talking to staying an extra day because he, like, A, A, he was kind of done done with the whole scenario. B, you could tell, tell felt himself, himself too close to Charlotte. Yeah. And so he was, like, he's on the phone with Aiden and he's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. What's the next plane? I need to go. You understand? I need to go. And then, like, he, like, talked into... He basically talked and talked into the show so he'd so he have another, like, day to spend with Charlotte. Yes. And the talk show is just, like, just as bad as it led to believe, as you're led to believe by the agent of being like, no, 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 no. That's really famous. He's like Johnny Carson of Japan, man. And that's total bull bull. Um, yeah. Um, I... I just, like... I... How many times have you seen this movie, Teacher's That Curiosity? Um, probably four or five, actually. I, I've, actually, right I own a copy you. of it, just not at my apartment. You see, that's kind of what... I came up with this idea when I was planning for being on vacation. Yeah. And and I thought like like you know lost lost in trans lost in translation is weirdly like a slice of life and and if you can believe it. Yeah. 
And I'm like, I should probably talk about that movie because it's worth talking about because it came out in, like, like the era of quote-unquote cool Japan, which which we, if if the London Olympics with any election, are about to collide in too hard at about, at about the end of 2020 here. Yeah. Um, and, like, it was just... It's this weird artifact of that period of time when, like, every, everybody saw Japan with this, this cool novel, but very for, foreign thing, but but nobody like, knew what to do, what to do it. And, and I always forget about the, like, the whole movie is about an emotional affair. And yeah. it's... And I'm not even quite sure if that was really a thing in 2000. It was really a concept that in 2003. But it's certain cert now, and it's really interesting to watch. Well, I think a big part of uh, of the movie and what it's um, kind of uh, presaging, I think that's how you pronounce that, um, uh, like in the future what it's kind of like predicting or, or seeing ahead is uh, I think that the age of technology having uh, intense problems with intimacy and uh, loneliness and personal communication and uh, personal connection. And I think yeah. that like, you know, you, there's, that's one of the ways in which the movie definitely does hold up um, as something that is still like very relevant uh, today, even though it's kind of a, um, like you said, it's like a very bedroom dom- drama type of plot. Yeah, that 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 that's true. And like, the, like the the, I mean, we talked talked Twitter on this on this um on the beginning of this podcast and like our experiences with with Jake Allen on Twitter, but um the and even when when we're getting getting set up for, I did you. And I, and I didn't hear from you for a while. For a while, in my brain, a little switch went off, and I'm like, should I call him? And then the little switch turned back hard, hard and was like, no fucking asshole. Nobody calls anybody. Buddy. Yeah, no, just text. And just text. like that, but but that like hard switch switch back. That's not a got a good thing. If someone calls me, I assume that they're in the hospital. <laughs> I, I, that's I, just my. That's where my mind goes. And I have a. I have when I'm start being friends with, with somebody or in a relationship with a woman woman say like look look you're gonna text me me i'm gonna call you, call you back because because i only have one hand hand and it, and it might be doing something <laughs> so if i call you back don't freak out i'm, I'm not like i haven't just stabbed my, myself in the eye with a, a six inch knife <laughs> I, mean, I mean probably not not that be the case. case. <laughs> if I call you, call you, it's not a big deal. And, it, and it's... I remember I was in, like, a group therapy session. And this is part, part of the reason I started group therapy, actually. And then somebody said, like, you know, like, he had, he had started, the person had started, started going out with me at their work. They had been hecting back and forth, and this person was... Being an avoidant with being like an avoiding asshole. Yeah. And I, I just wheeled around like full old man Alex and it was just like, it's like, you just fucking call the person. 
And the reaction of the room, which was like, at least four other people, was absolute fucking vulsion of like, why would he do that? Why would he demand that of her time? And I, I was just like, whoa! She's fucking around with his soul, and you're like, why, why would he demand a five-second conversation of cementing a relationship from, from her time? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, and no, well, sometimes, like, like, sometimes, like, uh, it is better just to call if you, if you just want to clear up, like, oh, are we together or nah? Yeah, yeah, and, like, this, this movie is, like, navigating, this movie navigates through that, like, like weirding, but with, with the technology section of it, and... yeah gets to the end point that it should get to, which is, we, we both have to live in reality now. Although, it's made very, very clear they both live in L.A. Yeah. Um, and, it, it's just like, it's, it gives you a full blunt of what oftentimes I'm, all of, all of us, quote-unquote, millennials, South seek to avoid, which is all emotional complexity of what happens if this girl who I'm kind of interested in walks in, like, knocks on my door, and, like, my, my dorm or apartment or whatever, and she sees, hears another one in the background. Yeah. All that stuff, it's like, complicated bullshit that we now mitigate with our fucking phones. And... Yeah. It's interesting to see someone write about that, like, complicated of could be a relationship that goes further than that really deftly, actually. Yeah. No, it um, does a great job of that. I would, I would definitely agree with that. I, I was, I was honestly, honestly, because I was, I was, I was ready to have, have a weird time, time with Murray, in, in Tokyo, because all I ever remember about this movie is, honestly, I don't. If there's a scene that I think that doesn't need to be in the movie, it's the, the treadmill gag. Yeah, like, treadmill gag, gag is from a, from a different Bill Murray. Treadmill, treadmill from Caddy Shaddy Shack. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really, I, it didn't really do a whole lot, because um, they already had a bunch of other scenes of him not understanding shit around the hotel room. Yeah, yeah, and like... So it didn't really do a whole lot to build the character. Well, also, it's like, it's like, so, I'm a, you didn't see um, Justice League, did you? No. And Just League, and this is funny that the Aquaman movie is making millions of millions of dollars, but I didn't see it, see it because of scenes. Uh, uh, wrestler, wrestler who Aquaman, Justice League, it's almost like they jump cut to him, like he's doing a reaction shot, like, like something dainty will happen, and then they'll just like cut to him, and they'll be like, crazy, huh? Yeah. Like, on a soundstage, stage sitting there, like, crazy, crazy, huh? And... That that scene seems like because there's nobody else in the shot. 
it's like weirdly close but not close enough to be on purpose. Yeah. And it's just him fucking around on exercise equipment. That you that you clearly really don't need to know know Japanese to like mitigate. Yeah, I I feel like also like uh it being like uh, very clearly a hotel that is often used for international guests. They might like, be... You just click the English button. Yeah, I feel like there'd be maybe also, like, a person at the hotel whose, like, job it is to sit at the desk and be like, yeah, are you speak English? Like, here, let me hook up the treadmill <laughs> no, for you real me, quick. Let me fix uh, this click, for you. Quick, quick, boop. All right, there you go. All set up. Have a good one. Like, you know... And then, and then he like, no, no, I, I, in my head, a gringo, but oh, but that's not the word. Actually, actually, Gene, like he's like, like around, he just said in Japanese, out of himself, like, oh, fucking asshole, guy, Gene, it wanders yeah. off. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah. So I mean, it's definitely a, an interesting movie. Uh, I definitely still like it and have a soft spot in my heart for this movie. Oh, I'll probably, I'll probably, once again, once again, I've seen it. Upwards of five times. Yeah. <laughs> Which I find interesting that that's true for both of us because that means we've just in- encountered the movie on TV and been like, no, no, I'm cool. I'll, I'll sit here and I'll watch the rest of this. Yeah, you know what? This is a great movie to have on while you're doing th- things around your house. Yeah, um, it is. I, I agree like... with that. Because <laughs> you kind of stop in and like, oh, look, Tokyo street scenes. Oh, that's very well shot. That's lovely. Because this is a this is a gorgeous movie. Yeah. is something that I do want to emphasize. Um, it's a it, very it's, well and lovingly shot movie. It's like, like, like it, it's everything from like the stuff they have, like the little, the little details they have the actor do, and and it's clear that like like the actors were instructed to do to do certain certain way, ways. Um, um, it's and the, the scene. Like, I have been, I have been to some strip clubs. I have never been to a creepy strip club, um, strip club in this f- fucking movie. No, <laughs> I, I didn't know if that was maybe something that you knew more about um, in Japanese but, culture, but I have no idea about that at all. The, so, the thing, the thing that is weird there is that Scarlett Johansson character is let in at all. Yeah, my friend you've met who who've been for Christmas, she got so, got so excited at the idea of going to a to a strip. We did it the, like the same the same day. Like she couldn't couldn't of the idea of going to a strip club because oftentimes the strip clubs are more than strip clubs and they're owned by the mafia, and so, and so they don't women in into them in Japan. Yeah, they're like they're like comfort in inns or whatever. Like they can, they can go get I. Tokyo Vice. There's, there's a there's a cafe he goes into and like like waitress jerks him off on the table. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure. Like and and actually they that Jake Jake Al seemed to start was was covering like the CDC fucked out of Tokyo where all that stuff is. Um, but. They don't let women into those those things. Yeah. And so there's like 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 in in a strip club clubs like 
women are really allowed. <laughs> like they, they, they just, oh, they just yeah. like did no did no problem. And actually, it was really interesting. In when I was in the South in, in New Orleans, I, w- I went to Bourbon Street, which if you n- you've never been to Bourbon Street at night, holy fuck! It's like they, like they pack. It's like they pack the daytime populated version of Times Square into one street and just get get everyone on that street fucking insanely drunk. Yeah, yeah, it, I know it's a huge drinking corridor. It, 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 it's like <laughs> a a it's a drinking corridor. B is like British style drinking. You can drink outdoors without a paper bag. Oh yeah, well they do um they do paper cups and stuff like to go cups of alcohol there. No, no, they don't. You know what they what they do? They do fucking fucking giant thongs like like a thong of your upper, upper body. Yeah, no, no, no that's what I'm talking They call grenades and they just like, I'm a supposed to drink steel for me. <laughs> yeah, but the the thing I noticed there was they they have of course because it's a bad at at it's like when it's a bad at ass street. There's like like every club like if if there needs to drift new strip, strip club is in there so the rest of the city doesn't have to fucking deal with the other. Yeah, which is hilarious because it's very clear that like New Orleans made a bar- bargain, and that bargain was we we don't want to deal with all this bullshit all over the sea, be- because New Orleans was the drunkest place I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, the entire city city is constantly fucking drunk. It's amazing, but it all starts in this one street. Yeah, <laughs> so they put it all there. But, like, every goes in strip club clubs. Men, women, fucking families up to five. <laughs> it was bizarre. It's like, 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 oh, they're just all taking a family night out to literally fucking hustler clubs. That's weird. But, that is weird. Like, the thing with the strip club in this movie is, like, it's just very, it's very tame from the story, story here about clubs in Japan. It's, I just it's it's shot to feel just disgusting. Yeah, it is very grimy. And also, like that's the, that that that's the point at which you you realize, like, oh oh, these are these these are Charlotte's friends. They're like people who John introduced her to, and now she's stuck with because they are shifty assholes. They show show the picture of them like in the pit area, get, getting the getting what Bill, Bill Murray called a dance dance, and they're just like, <laughs> it's 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 just it's, and that that kicks off them like abandoning them and having like last night alone. But uh, it, this is to- this is totally I agree. It's a, gr- a great movie to. Have, have have on and just like experience it as like a visual thing. Like if you have if you have a nice, nice big fucking high definition TV, you should put this movie movie on and just like stare at her at it. Be like whoa whoa. Yeah, it really is. It's very sumptuous. It's a very beautifully shot film, like we were saying. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, do you have any other thoughts about it? No, I, I, I think that this is a good place to wrap up. We're out at, at yeah. an hour and a half. But, um, um, 
for people? Where can people people find the internet? Uh, people can find me uh, on Twitter at Dan the Man Cohan. Uh, give me a follow if you like uh, absurdist uh, word garbage that is largely humorous. Um, uh, if you want to check me out uh, in the meat space, I host a trivia event at a bar here in Nyack, New York, uh, called the Local Tap House. Uh, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. So uh, check that out if you want to come see what I look like in, as I said, the meat space. Um, and then what else? Yeah. Uh, other than that, you can also check me out on Instagram at old man, Dan Cohan. Those are all my, uh, various, uh, internet, uh, things that I am comfortable with people having. <laughs> By the way, I'm so happy you stopped like garbling up your name. Cause I, I could never remember it. <laughs> I yeah, like, no, no, it's, no, it's... Can, what fuck? God, God damn it. The second half and half. Just, just type in Dan. That's what I used to always tell people. Just type in Dan, and because that's my nickname always on Facebook, and it yeah. has been since the start. So um, I used to just be Dan with the obnoxious, mis- mistitled Tim and Eric yeah. inspired name. Yeah, that was, was that was an arrow of like, like, I find Dan on Facebook. Facebook, how the fuck is it? I don't, I don't know, Dan. Moving on, moving on. Um, um, and you can find me. And I never do this because I'm terrible. But you can find me at Alex Cohan on Instagram at Alex Cohan Cohan on Twitter. Um, I I don't get into Facebook book ever. Uh, uh I don't. I also don't do much in the meat space. Although I have been known to do convention appearances and panels and, and shit. Um, but if you li- you like this podcast. You should probably give it a give it a five star rating on your pod podcast listening poor poor choice. Uh, um, you should also share it on with your friends. Um, if you share this ep- episode, make sure you you tell people this is not not normal. This is not what this this is, this is usually a dude approaching thirty thing about an anime internet, not. Who's approaching 30 talking intelligently about Phil. Oh, also, uh, I just want to make it clear that uh, you can DM me on Twitter if you like with anything supportive that you have to say, but anything negative, I would like you to DM to my good friend at AjeetPiFCC. And you send those DMs, those negative DMs. That's very good. Uh, to, to that address. That's, very That's good. my negative Thank DM you, address. Oh, he yeah. Has every. Sack of shit hit he gets for. You saw that shitty ass video he did. Oh, I've, I, I'm a huge fan of that weird man, that intensely weird man who has no soul. <laughs> right. But yeah. Anyway, um, it was great uh, talking to you though. Yeah, it was great talking to you too. Um, so uh, until next time, guys. Guys, when it will be you, me, I my lonesome. I'm, I'm sorry for this. We we might d- do this again. I'm gonna top this. Without without it, so you don't know our plans. Therefore, we'd have to commit to it because we are legendarily bad at committing. Yes, but I would also be very open to doing this again. It's always fun. It's always a blast. I think I, I can come back and be a repeat guest. In our in our, our um conversation, I think I connection eight and eight that we could get done. Um, that would link this episode to the next episode. So I'll talk about that. I'll talk with you about that. Right now, as I hit hit the 
stop button recording. So, so um, thanks a lot, guys. Guys, um, don't don't forget before I hit the stop the stop button. Get to check out check out Lunchbox Radio Lunchbox Publishing or this podcast. The last five I've uploaded that I've done because I've done done close to eighty of these things, and that takes takes a lot of time. Yo, to oh make make posts and uploads for a website site every single episode I've ever done. Cause uh, so check that out. I'll be probably recording a video for for something for that site sometime soon. Um, there's all stuff you can do, do, and read and listen to, to. Yeah, already ready though, so that site again is lunchboxpublishing.com. There's a link in the description of this podcast. Um, and I'll, I'll talk to you guys next time.